Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to episode 38 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm just Mosquito. You can find me on Twitter at J O M O S Q. You can follow uh, Charles McDonald, Chip McDonald at Four Verts. Uh, what's up with people, Chip? Chip, uh, we're doing good. We got to see some fun preseason action uh, this weekend. I was pretty pleased with Fun that. quotation marks. Hey, I mean, I was happy with the Falcons' first-team offense. I thought they, they killed it on that one drive that they had. Uh, and we were going to start off with Miles Garrett because they just played last night. We are recording this on Tuesday night before Hard Knocks. And uh, the Browns played the Giants on Monday Night Football last night. And Miles Garrett made Eric Flowers look laughably bad. Uh, Yeah, about, about expected, but... Um, honestly, so I I thought Joey Bosa was a better prospect than Miles Garrett coming out. Yes. Uh, so, and, and I'm a big athleticism guy too. And like Miles Garrett jumped out of the gym, all of that. Um, I always knew that Miles Garrett was going to be like it. Just if you look at what he did in college and you look at what he is athletically, it, it's a it's basically as close to a surefire thing that he was going to be a ten sack guy at some point during his career as any prospect that we've ever seen, right? Um, I didn't know it was going to be like this, this early. Uh, I mean, obviously he's going against Eric Flowers. Uh, last week he was going against, uh, Saints backups, I want to say, yeah. right? Because yeah. Teron Armstead was out. Um, but as of now, uh, he, he looks like a force. He looks like a legitimate threat to be like a 10-sack guy. Um, like if, if we really want to go there right now, like if, so you're, you're, we're both big, big, Beasley, big, uh, big Beasley fans, right? Yep. Um, I had him super high coming out of the draft. I think he was my number one non-quarterback coming out uh, same, same. two drafts ago. Yeah, 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 and he plays for your Falcons, led the NFL in sacks. Uh, right now, if you had to trade Vic Beasley for Miles Garrett, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like it's it's not close to me. Like that was that was one thing that I was watching when I was thinking about it because I was trying to think of like what guys I would trade for him, and I was like. Danelle Hunter, like Danelle Hunter, uh, Frank Clark, if you take off off-field issues, right? I think those guys are, and like Joey Bosa, I think all those guys are like in a group that are like a push. But I think I would take them over like the the Vic Beasley tier, uh, Marcus Golden, those type of guys. Yeah, and you know, like Vic can still be a good player, and he was a good player last year. You know, leading the league in, snack, in sacks is nothing to sniff at, but he wasn't as dominant a pass rusher as the sack numbers would uh would assume and like if you can just get the way that miles garrett has been looking off those two preseason games i mean he's killing it versus the run he's you know kicking ass as a pass rusher he looks every part of that number one overall pick and it, that brown's front seven that's that's not like a, a walk in the kick like it used to be like two seasons ago yeah so that, that's the thing too is like they really didn't add anyone, but they had so many young names that it was it, – it's almost like Baltimore, right? Yeah. Where Baltimore just had so many young, like, top four-round four, four round picks in that group. And, like, some of them got hurt. Like, Bronson uh, Kafusi, like, Brett, Brett Urban wasn't even, like, a guy that was on my radar. But I remember he was drafted 
on the top four rounds a couple of years ago. They just had so many names that you knew, like, okay, a couple of these guys are going to break out this year. I think that's how kind of Cleveland's, Cleveland's kind of in that spot. Like, we saw uh, week one, Nate Orchard kind of have some flashes. Uh, Joe Sherbert, who I think is – he's playing inside linebacker right now. Yeah, um, towards ACL, so uh, yeah. so, linebacker. so he's playing. I kind of liked him coming out, to be totally honest. He wasn't a big – he wasn't, like, a super, super athlete, but he was, like, good enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's kind of a little undersized guy. I just I just liked him coming out. I think I think that guy's got a chance. Um, I, I, don't, I don't – what, what else do we want to touch on this game? Uh, Davis Webb has been bad. So I, I put up this piece uh, this uh, today, actually, called How Every uh, NFL Quarterbacks Perform This Preseason. It basically looks at NAA – and uh, adjust for everything. So basically, it's like a relative scale of per pass how well your quarterback has done this preseason for all of the like 107 or something like that that have thrown a pass so far. Uh, Davis Webb and Josh Dobbs are the only two quarterbacks who are drafted rookies who are playing below average right now. So it's, it's pretty safe to say this rookie class is playing above the NFL average in the preseason. And then uh, if you're looking at starting quarterbacks right now, Eli Manning is one of four that are playing below average, along with uh, Jake Cutler, Andy Dalton. And uh, Tyrod Taylor, who's kind of taking a dump on the football field right now. Um, so Giants quarterback situation, not great. Uh, they Their team kind of got beat up a little bit by this Cleveland Browns team that was not good. Like, safe to say, not good last year on the defensive end. So I, I don't know yeah, how much to make out of that. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on this little Odell Beckham situation real quick. There are two sides to this thing that are just utterly, utterly oh, ridiculous. First of all, the people that are saying – that hit should have been illegal. No, it's, it shouldn't have been illegal. It should was, have been suspended for the yeah, year. Yeah, there was a hot take by somebody. For the year. A nuclear hot take that uh, I don't remember who hit him. I think it was uh, Calhoun hit him, and some guy said he should be suspended for the year, which is crazy. It was a legal hit. You know, it, it, it that's just kind of the nature of the game. And then the people who are saying, you know, Odell Beckham is soft, like those cameras, they literally followed him all the way to the locker room. You know, he, he's a superstar in one of the big, biggest media markets in the world. If he gets hurt, he's going to, uh, you know, the, the spotlight's going to be on him. And people calling him a wuss, like, come on. You, like, I would love to see you take a hit from an NFL safety and not, you know, be sobbing on the field as your leg is in two after that. Like, but, like, it, it's a legal hit, and he's not a wuss for being hurt after the fact. Dude, dudes let down like that on the field all the time. I don't know why it's a... I, I, don't, I don't really understand the outrage there. And then I think Smiley was talking about it, where... He was kind of talking to us at Smiley Moth, um, our good friend Garrett. Uh, he was talking about how, how the idea of tackling and, like, when someone gets hurt, it's like, oh, something went wrong. When that's – that's not – that like, you're, it's a sport of violence. Like, kind of like injuries kind of are supposed to happen when you're tackling people at, at how they're supposed to be tackled. Like, everything isn't the Seattle Seahawks wrap it up and I'm going to turn around rugby throw you and you're going to gain three extra yards. You know what I mean? Like, everyone can't play that style of football uh, when you're much smaller and less athletic than some of these guys. It's not like the Seattle Seahawks defense that's just flying around everywhere. That's a textbook hit. Like, that's something that you should show, like, high school kids, to be totally honest. That play in front of him where he's diving, that's exactly how you're supposed to draw it up. Yep, and I don't know. I thought the reaction to that was just kind of ridiculous. And then the reaction on the other side uh, – Asking if Odell had mental cramps, like no, he just got hit by an NFL free safety, so he's probably in a little bit. Of that shit, that shit hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Man. <laughs> uh, like I don't know what else to tell you, man. I feel like a lot of people who watch football for whatever reason, like either like a lot of them have played, and I'm just like, I don't know if you've forgotten what it's like yeah, to play. 
Yeah, like it, it's it's not super fun, man. Like I for sure have played with like varsity starters and stuff in high school who full on were like, I hate football and I'm like literally just here to like do something or like appease my family. Like this hurts and this isn't fun. Oh yeah, it, it hurts a lot. And that's just like high school players. Now imagine taking a hit from an NFL player. Come on. Uh yeah. now let's stay in New York and let's just laugh at the Jets for like a minute. Oh my oh, god. Goodness. Their offense is just an atrocity known to mankind. I'm actually writing about this for uh, setandedge.com. You can read uh, Deep Cuts week two of the preseason. I didn't write much. It was mainly just laughing at videos of Christian Hackenberg. But I don't know if that Jets offense scores like 10 touchdowns the entire season. Yeah, so we told you last week that like Christian Hackenberg's completion percentage, like that whole overreaction was like it was something that I was watching live, right? I was watching Tennessee uh, Jets live last week. And I saw people just being like, Christian Hackenberg, 8 for 8. And, like, I was watching it. I'm like, he hasn't thrown a ball past, like, five yards. Like, look, as soon as he's going to throw deep, like, bad things are going to happen. Um, last year or last week was a farce. We tried to tell you that. And then the other shoe dropped this week. Um, the sack that he took. that So there was the sack that he took that I've never seen someone drop one yard behind the line of scrimmage and just full-on stop and get sacked after having a, a setter run ran into him. And then there was the uh, there was the throw that like looked like a fumble that was actually a throw. Yeah, it was it was bad. That offense is gonna be bad, and I feel sorry for Jets fans. I'm just gonna be watching it uh, just from a uh, like a comedic value this season because they they will be one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. And another team that looks really flimsy right now, the Colts. Man, like that defense is really really bad, and without Andrew Luck, that offense has like no value to it whatsoever so if andrew luck starts out on the pup list i i think there's a good chance they can start off zero and six like there is no talent on that roster i want to go back to the to the jets thing real quick um did you see what what uh todd bull said he said hack didn't have a chance because of the blocking like he's literally dying on it can you name can you name the defensive ends that were starting in detroit last week no i don't know it was it was cornelius washington and then it was uh What's his name? The other, the the horrible dude, the dude who can't uh play the run game. Oh, uh, crap! Anthony Zettel. Zettel, Zettel. Those were the two starters. So like that's literally like this is a team. Detroit's team, their leading their leading returner in sacks has three sacks from last season, and he's suspended. Like this is not the team to be like, yo, Ch- Hack just didn't have a chance, man. Like Detroit's just beating them up front. Like, if, yeah. if, if your standard is Detroit is beating you up front in the pass rushing, where they don't have a pass rushing defensive tackle, they really don't have an end right now, Um, like, just pack it in, man. Like, it's kind of over. Yeah, the Lions defense was, they finished the season ranked 32nd for DVOA, and all they added was Gerard Davis and Tease Tabor, and then they lost Kerry Hyder. So, to get dominated by that defense, like, one of the worst in the NFL, it, it's going to be a very, very long season for Jets fans. Now, let's go back to the Colts because you were talking about this a lot when we were doing our season previews. And, uh, you know, while they did take nice steps this pre- this offseason with Chris Ballard as a new GM, you know, signing guys like Hankins and getting Malik Hooker, that team is still very, very far away from, from getting back into, like, that AFC championship space. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be totally honest. So I, I watched a little bit of this, but, like, so – Scott Tolzien doesn't look great still, right? Uh, Dak Prescott looks about as far away from a one-year wonder as possible. Like he he looks he looks legitimate. I think we can put that 
we could we could put that to rest. Uh, Darren McFadden still runs like a Star Wars character, right? He runs like Alex Jones. And then uh, I stopped watching because Barkevious Mingo got a sack fumble on Kellen Moore, and I was like, "That's it for me. I'm done. I'm done with this one." I I, I just stayed in the, <laughs> I, yeah I just stayed in until uh, until Dak came out of the game, and then I was out. But yeah, Dak looks good. That Colts defense is going to be an atrocity this year. Like, oh my god! Uh, when you got guys like Rod Smith and Darren McFadden cutting you up for big games, like I, I know that Dallas's offensive line is still awesome, but those are not superstar running backs. It, you know, I, I think that that Colts team has a chance to end up top five if Andrew Luck misses like a handful of games. It, it's 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 not going to be good. Oh, oh, for sure, like. I, I, I don't know. To be totally honest, there, there's, like, four, like, actually bad teams. And then there's a bunch of, like, below-average teams. And, like, missing Andrew Luck for a couple of games for sure could put you into that to uh, to that bad team range. To be I mean, so so a quarterback is worth about six points in terms of Vegas numbers, right? So he's about the same as home field advantage. Um, like, the Col- how, how many teams would you, favor, like, favor, like, a full touchdown over? Like, you basically, with Andrew Luck... The Colts would have to be a full touchdown favorite to uh, to be a favorite without Andrew Luck, oh. and like I don't know how many teams like it have to be like at home at against home, the Jets, like yeah, like at home Jets, at home Rams maybe. Even like, the Rams, like they got some talent on offense now. Like, we should probably talk about the Rams because the Ram the Ram, Rams things happened. Yeah, and this is a good way to to kind of pump up our Raiders. Uh, you know, falling off a cliff this year. <laughs> look, you knew man, exactly where I was going. I, look, because <laughs> they are the the Rams' offense was in a it was bad last year, and everyone knows that. But you know, they go out and they get Andrew Whitworth and Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and you know Todd Gurley. He had you know a facade of a of a rookie season, but you know we know he can still get loose every once in a while. And Jared Goff, he was terrible last year, but I mean, you got to roll with him again next year because Les Snead is still there as the general manager. Now, that offense is—it's not like a world-beating offense, and for them to just come out against the Raiders' first-team defense, and you know, Khalil Mack—he made some plays, uh, you know, just being unblockable like he usually is. But the rest of those guys are just bums. Like you—you you can't have an offense led by Jared Goff and Cooper Cup just kind of torching your secondary. Uh, like when they had the bootleg for the touchdown, he was wide open. It's just a really bad, undisciplined defense. And, you know, I, I get why Raiders fans are mad at Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator. But, I mean, you're you're a Bruce Irvin guy. I'm kind of whatever on him. I think they really only got one good player on that defense, Khalil Mack, and the rest of the guys are just bad. Like, like I'm an I'm a Eddie Vanderdose guy, but he can't be your best defensive tackle. That That's never going to no. be, you know, conducive to – a good defense and he's already starting for them. It's, it's bad. And that, that defense is going to fall, cause them to fall to like eight and eight or seven and nine. That, that was my initial reaction too. When, when everyone was like, man, golf went off and I'm like, Oh damn, maybe, maybe he's going off. His numbers are crazy. And then I was like, wait, this happened against the Raiders. Did we forget? We forget who the Raiders were. Um, so like, like you said, depth, Super not a thing that Oakland is prepared to deal with. Uh, they're, all their defensive ends, other than Khalil Mack, have a career uh, career sack mark of two sacks. Two career sacks. The entire defensive end unit, other than Mack. Um, just not a really good situation. Uh, Todd Gurley, even though you said that like he's, he's, he did better this week than last week, he's still only averaging like three yards on, on positive carries, and the league average is like six. Um, Todd Gurley 
the split between what Todd Gurley was able to do past the line of scrimmage uh, over the last two years is the biggest split uh, in the NFL. He was amazing at it his rookie year. He was horrible at it last year, um, and that's taking out that's taking out all of his. Uh, all the carries that were stopped either at the line of scrimmage or, or behind the line of scrimmage. So there might actually be like a full blown talent issue or like, I don't know if you'd call it jitters or whatever. There, there's something going on with Todd Gurley and I'm, I'm not sure I know what, what to do with it. I just know that it's happening. Um, free Aaron Donald, obviously. Yeah. That's it. again, free Aaron Donald. <laughs> free Aaron Donald. How, how mad would you be if like Tremaine Johnson got tagged twice and like your team traded for Sammy Watkins on like an expiring deal and traded a second round pick for that and they like still won't pay you. Cuz the thing about if you're Aaron Donald and you're like, well they're not going to they're not going to like tag Tremaine Johnson again, you know what I mean? But like he's already been a player who's been tagged twice. Like what if you're Aaron Donald? All right, so he's in his third year, right? Aaron Donald? Fourth. Year. fourth year. Yeah, yeah, he's in I think he's in his third year. He was drafted 2014? Yeah, so he's under his fourth season. Fourth season, okay. So he's in his fourth season. So he's playing his fourth season, let's say his his fifth year option, okay, a franchise tag and then another franchise tag. This is a team that has used franchise tags twice already on a defender, so he, he's having to play out. You know, he's talking about at 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 if if the Rams wanted to, they could keep him through like the twenty twenty one season without actually having to like commit to him. Yeah, and the thing, the thing with with Aaron Donald is he has no reason to show up at. I really at any point like I know that uh, the they, they were talking about how he's gonna show up after like ten games or something like that so his contract won't toll. That's what I would do because he's on the same. Because look, he's he's put out enough dominant film over the past three years, like literally from day one when he stepped onto the NFL field, he's been dominant. So he doesn't have to put any more tape forward to get that you know, a uh, hundred million dollar deal, a hundred plus million dollar deal that uh, these defensive, they, these elite defensive linemen get. So I would just hold out as long as I can come back uh, with enough games so that my contract year won't void. And then just, I guess, do it all over again next year. But yeah, that the Rams, they're in a bad place because they have no money. They're running out of picks for next year and they still need their get their best player under contracts long term. It's, it's still a very bad situation over there. Yeah, the only other thing is uh so this Oakland this Oakland thing uh Mar- is Marshawn going to be in that doghouse for Jack Del Rio? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? You don't, he you full, he full on lied. He full on lied to Jack Del Rio. And Jack Del Rio is like a this is what uh this is what Jaguars fans told us the entire time when he took that job in Oakland. We saw guys like Seal Moore and guys like that just instantly just be like kicked out of the lineup and they're like man that jack del rio doghouse is like a very real thing and marshall lynch full-blown lied to jack del rio if nothing else well see the thing, thing with marshall lynch is i think i think i don't know if it was actually like a protest against police brutality per se but i just kind of think marshall has this thing where if he's sitting down when the anthem starts then he's just gonna keep sitting down if if he's standing up when the anthem's going on he'll stand i don't i don't know if it's like a conscious week in week out decision, just kind of, kind of what's happening at the moment. But I don't think Jack Del Rio is about to have that conversation with Marshawn Lynch. Like with the spectacle that they made out of bringing him back to Oakland, you know, bringing him home and stuff like that. I, I don't think you can put Marshawn Lynch in the doghouse. And I, I don't think that Jack Del Rio wants to have that conversation with Marshawn Lynch. 
Okay, Colin Jack Del Rio coward. That's fine. All right, uh, what what game are we doing after this? Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's hit on the Steelers and the Falcons game. Uh, oh, we got to talk about Pittsburgh first. Pittsburgh's yeah. in the Midwest. Pittsburgh's what? In the Midwest. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. Justice <laughs> is not familiar with uh, Pennsylvania, but pretty much any non-Philly city in Pennsylvania is the Midwest. I mean, there's a reason why they call, like, there's an area of Pittsburgh, called, or not Pittsburgh, or the, an area of Pennsylvania called Pennsylvania. Like, that's, it, it's it's like the Midwest and the South, but the North at the same time. And I advise you, if you're brown, to stay away from there. No, I'm just joking. Uh. Yeah, it's, it's like, people, like, it was the weirdest thing you saw people, I think uh, this started from the Ringer podcast, our good friends at the Ringer. Uh, the Ringer Football Podcast that they were talking about Pittsburgh if if it was or wasn't in the Midwest and you saw people from the Midwest just get very mad and then they were like you don't know what our teeny tiny states on the East Coast look like and I'm like dude I've re- I've recruited on NCAA 2014 several times <laughs> like I'm I'm aware of what your little states look like I, I understand what it's like out there like uh, what are we talking like do people not understand that like Pittsburgh is branded as like a very like Midwest blue collar city like Trump said Pittsburgh not Paris. What do you like? You think he did that because he wanted to like be friendly with quote unquote like coastal elites? No, of course. No, not. no. Like, what are we talking about? This kind of reminded me of like when people down south argue about barbecue. Like, that's what it seemed like to me. Where I'm like, I have no idea like what you guys are even fighting about. This seems very masturbatory. Yeah, it, it it's all dumb. I, I mean, I've never even been to Pittsburgh, but that's my take on it, and I'm correct because it's not- everything everything east of Colorado to like West Virginia is the Midwest, as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Pretty much. Uh, but I think the two takeaways or, or, you know, three from this game, you, you've got Javon Hargrave, who looks good. J- Grady Jarrett looks Shocked. good. Um, Shocked. and then the Falcons offense, even though they're missing, it, it wasn't like a full crew on either side. The Falcons were without, uh, Taylor Gabriel, Julio Jones, Don- Devontae Freeman, but the Steelers, they were without, uh, Mike Mitchell, James Harrison and Bud Dupree. So you know, you, you had like ninety percent of each group uh, for the first team offense, first team defense, and the Falcons like they first team offense just marched down the field and scored a touchdown. And you you saw Sarkeesian calling the same type of offense that uh, Kyle Shanahan was running last year, and it, it looked really similar. So hopefully they can keep that up you know, towards the regular season. But I, I really like the way that Javon Hargrave and Grady Jarrett look so far. Uh, Grady Jarrett had a massive QB hit on Josh Dobbs. Uh, in, in that game, and Javon Hargrave has some nice plays against the run. So those two guys look like they're ready to kind of take that next step and become closer to household names in the NFL. And it, it's it's always funny to see, you know, we, we knock, not not us, not us two because we're good at this, but people knock defensive tackles for height. <laughs> people knock defensive tackles for height. And I'm like, well, you know, it do not matter. It, it do not matter. Actually, sometimes it's even an advantage because – we talk about the leverage game, so like if you go watch Michael Pierce, I know we've talked about this, or I've talked about him a lot recently, but he's barely six feet tall, and that gives him like an auto win for most uh, interior offensive linemen. So I, I think like when you see like these guys like Sheldon Rankins, Javon Hargrave, Grady Jerry, Aaron Donald, you know Mike Daniels, all those type of guys, I don't I don't get why we're still stressing over height for defensive tackles when we see like these are the players that usually end up being good. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Um, so Atlanta scored, Atlanta scored this week. Atlanta scored last week when they were first team. You know, I I kind of had a little, I had some doubts about uh, how how much of it was Shanahan and how much of it was actually Matt Ryan. 
um, I'm kind of past that at this point. Like, I really don't have those issues at all. Josh yeah. Dobbs is starting games. He's looking horrible. Terrible. Uh, TJ Watt didn't have an unblocked sack, unblocked sack this week. That's, that's kind of amazing. It's surprising that you don't get those every single week. Um, when I was watching this, the only question that I had, honestly, like, it was a pretty pretty boring game. Like, it was kind of what we assumed it was going to be, and then Josh Dobbs was starting and just making a mess on offense for Pittsburgh. Um Matt Sims, like, how, how many games can can Atlanta win if Matt Sims is starting? Because, like, they might be able to win, like, like six, okay. seven. Like, I'm, they might go 500. I'm guessing you didn't watch the second half then because he completely imploded. No. Dude, I mean. Oh, no. It, it was it, it, it was crazy. See, this is what's so funny about Matt Sims in that game yesterday or on Sunday. He started off after Matt Schaub came out. I was out like, this was dude's like, got some zip. That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, like he's gunning all over the place. And this is, for the most part, still Pittsburgh's first team secondary. And then the second half happened, and he just like started shitting himself. And it was it, it was like, <laughs> okay, now we see why this guy As Falcons right. quarterbacks do. Yeah. As Falcons quarterbacks But at first, I was thinking, like, hey, maybe they could trade like a day three pick for like someone might trade a day three you start, pick. You start Matt doing Sims. the Brett Hundley math in your yeah, head? I started doing the Brett. And then, and then <laughs> well, the, how, much can we get it from, how much can we get from Jacksonville right now? They're wild, desperate. Yeah. And then the second half happened. I was like, okay, that's why he's the third string quarterback because he's terrible. But yeah, that. That was pretty funny to see. Tack McKinley, he, yeah, he, for, he didn't do he's much. Standing up, right? Yeah, he was standing up. I, uh, I think that's what he prefers to do. He had an unblocked hit on Josh Dobbs. It was like a, a miscommunication with uh, Alejandro Villanueva, where he just kind of let Tack run by him and just got Josh Dobbs pummeled. But you know, it was cool to see Tack out there. He doesn't look to have any, you know. He's not really timid with that shoulder. He's still flying around. So I think that Falcons defense is going to be fun. And even if the Falcons offense regressed, they could still be the best offense in the league. And I think that their floor is going to be top three or top four. Awesome. Uh, where are we? What do you want to do after this? You want to talk about the Packers? Do you have any Packers takes? There's a lot of games. Uh, do I have any Packers takes? Uh, Taysom Hill is going to be a future first-round pick after we trade Brett Hundley as a future first-round pick. Okay. Um. Other than that, like, the Packers are, like, super boring. Um, like, the only thing that's, like, really interesting on that team right now is, like, their like their fifth receiver spot where, like, Jeff Janis is playing. Um, su- super not something I want to talk about. So, Chris Baker, all right? So, we've seen what Chris Baker's done on Hard Knocks where he's, like, the loudmouth in the ear of the kicker, right? Yeah. And we couldn't, we couldn't figure out why Chris Baker didn't get a huge contract from Washington. Like what if Chris like what are the chances that like Chris Baker's just doing that to Kirk Cousins in Washington? Like he was just doing that every week where he's just Kirk, you ain't shit. You oh, know that was yeah, trolling. yeah, like, just, you just know, trolling you know, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's all Pierre, that's all Deshaun. You know it? See, I told you you'd miss that shit. I yeah, told you. That sure was shit, man. Kirk. And th- yeah, so that's probably why they didn't give him. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, he was like, just trolling why, Kirk why? Cousins. <laughs> Like, why is Chris, Why did they not re-sign Chris Baker? I cannot figure out for the life of me. And then we just see him, like, openly, like, ruin the confidence of, like, his own teammates on our knocks. Yeah, like, that was, that oh, was, I think I can figure this out a little bit. That was funny. That was, that was funny. It, it was mean, but I don't really care. That was, that was funny. The kickers should make the kicks. Then you won't get laughed at. Um, yeah, Josh Doxson's alive. That's the only other thing. Like, Kirk Cousins threw a dime to uh, running back on a wheel route. To, who was covered by not not that Joe Thomas. And other than that, that's all I got on that game, to be totally honest. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, I want to talk. Have you watched? How much have you watched of uh, the San Francisco-Denver game? Uh, I watched it through uh, Simeon. Okay. So what, what do you think of 
49ers defensive line because I I hate Eric Armstead at Leo and I hate Solomon Thomas at that strong side end. Like I I, I posted a clip today <laughs> yeah. on uh on Twitter. It, it just it it looks like we thought it was gonna look where Armstead he's just he's not athletic enough to be like a wide nine technique on the weak side. He, he can't he can't chase down that fast. And Solomon Thomas he likes to penetrate and get up the field too much to be that strong side end. So like it, it just makes so much sense to flip them and then you have like your defensive line rotation right there. But for some reason, they just insist on having guys play the positions that don't really fit them. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know if it, like, because I, I, I charted the first, like, two drives or something like that, right, of San Francisco the first week of the, se- of the, first week of the preseason. And you're right. It, it is kind of a weird situation. The only thing, like, Solomon Thomas isn't even, like, really playing enough that you can, like, yeah. really call him anything. You know what I mean? That's, that's the big takeaway from me, to be honest, is I thought – I thought Solomon Thomas was going to end up being a plug-and-play guy, right? And it seems like that's that's not how this thing is going to work out at all. Like, he's going to be a rotational guy. He's he's playing just about as much as, like, uh, Elvis Dumerville is at this point. So, I don't know. That's yeah. kind of weird. I, I do think I've seen enough of Ark Armstead at Leo to, to be like, what are we still doing here? It, I just like him with his hand in the dirt, man. Like, it's not it's not that hard. This dude used to play, like, three-tech. Like, yeah, probably probably don't stand him up. It's not even. Like I don't he's, know. He's, it's not even like they're standing him up. He's just so far away from the ball. Like, if you put Solomon Thomas there, he's, he's not. Got, a, he's not athletic for a guy who's six six and three hundred pounds. Right. And you're, this is a relative scale where like guys are. You know, we, we people talk about Vic Beasley playing in like the two thirties, right? Yeah. So like you're having to compete with that. Like I, I just. It doesn't make I don't sense know. because you look at the guys who have played that weak side defensive end spot. You know, Cliff Averill, Vic Beasley, Yannick Ngakwe. You're going to have Melvin Ingram playing that this year. And then the 49ers are trotting out Ark Armstead with Solomon Thomas, like, right there. It, I, I don't I don't really understand what they're doing there. And they said Eric Armstead got down to, like, 275. He's still much bigger than the guys uh, playing Leo for the other teams. I, I'm, I'm he, doesn't, he doesn't look like a D-tackle. Like, Green Bay rushed a D-tackle at defensive end, like, a couple times this week. He doesn't look like that. But he for sure looks like he looks like an end. He doesn't look like an outside linebacker. Like you wouldn't. I, I think you would say he's an end more than a pass rusher for sure. If you're just like eye testing it. Um, the one thing I want to talk about San Francisco, like Brian Hoyer, we talked about him last year and how he quietly had a decent season last year with the Chicago Bears. Right. He has a he has a fifty nine point nine passer rating right now, and uh, Kyle Shanahan is is CJ Beathard right now is outpacing mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's. Matt Ryan's numbers from last year. Like, C.J. Beathard would win MVP if he were putting up the numbers that he has right now. Yeah, I think I think somebody tweeted at me to say that C.J. Beathard has something like 12 adjusted yards per attempt for the preseason so far, which is just astronomically good, but obviously it's a preseason. But, I mean, with the way Brian Hoyer is playing... It's ten and a half yards per, per attempt if it were going NAA, because I posted that damn article on Setting Edge if you want to plug it. Oh, yeah, you can plug it right there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that C.J. Beathard might end up playing some of the season just because you know how Shanahan can be about his guys, and if Brian Hoyer's not getting the job done and on a bad team, you might as well just see what the hell C.J. Beathard can do. But, yeah, I, 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 I still love watching Shanahan's offense, even though he does not have the horses to get it done this year. Um, yeah, and I think we need to touch on Paxton Lynch. I think we we were Rest both peace. yeah we were both fans of him going to the 2016 draft. He can't play. He's just not an NFL quarterback. Uh, trade, you know, free Tyrod, signed cap, 
but that Denver quarterback situation is going to sink him this year. Yeah, um, I don't know so much about freestyle. Like Ty, we'll get into this when we talk about the Bills. But like Tyrod might lose his job. Like that that that's something that should be on the table at this point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but uh, about Lynch, yeah, we we messed that one up. We missed man. on that one. We 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 bought into that Mississippi game too hard. Um, as far as quarterbacks who haven't thrown at least two hundred passes, who were drafted in the first round over the last decade, right? It's Paxton Lynch. Johnny Manziel, Jake Locker, Tim Tebow, uh, Brady Quinn, and Jamarcus Russell. So like, it, it's it's it, this is why we were on the on the uh, Patrick Mahomes is actually going to start this year at some point thing is because basically if you don't throw a hundred or two hundred pass attempts, like you are going to be you are going to fail. If you can play, you do play your rookie year. Yeah, and our our pal Field Yates he tweeted this out today. Uh, Quarterbacks drafted in the first round six two thousand six to not assume a full time starting gig by the start of year two. Johnny Menzel, Tim Tebow, Brady Quinn, and Paxton Lynch. So good night, Patrick. Or Paxton. Good night. He he's gonna have like the fewest pass attempts in his career since like there's some dude named like Blackledge or something who played for like the 49ers or something I think in like Todd, the early nineties. Blackledge, something like that. I don't think it was, I'm not sure if it was Todd Black. It was some dude who played for like Vautech or something. He was drafted in the first round and had like ten pass attempts with the Niners in his rookie contract. Good God! Yeah, it's 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 disgusting. At least at least Ryan Leaf went down with a flame. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. It was a uh, Todd Blackledge first round pick to the Kansas City Chiefs in 1983. Oh, ooh, 83. Ooh. Got got several of these facts wrong. Did he play for Virginia Tech or am I thinking of a different? He played for Penn State. Yeah, you weren't even close. <laughs> there's some 49er quarterback who played for virginia tech i promise yeah and you know we're off 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 topic a little bit but can you imagine missing on a quarterback in the 83 draft john elway uh jim kelly dan marino and like you could have had any one of them at any point in the first round like past the first pick I, I was thinking of i don't care what you're saying i need to i need to uh re-up on my on my manhood right here by getting this right uh jim drunken miller was drafted out of virginia tech in 1997 by the san francisco 49ers he was a 26 overall pick in the draft so uh it, how did his you get career from that? i don't know uh a d looks like a b or something like that um i'm not totally sure but he had one touchdown, four interceptions, 209, or 239 yards in his NFL career for a passer rating of 29.2. So this was a quarterback. Jim Drunken Miller was a quarterback who threw 52 passes uh, in his NFL career. It was drafted in the first round in the past two decades. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. It's over. Game over. We had a good run. He was fun. I, I wish he was better because he has a fun personality, but that this ain't it. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else we need to touch on from week two? Do we, do we want to talk about the Titans offense? Cause they look pretty good again. Uh, I think Mario is going to be a stud this year. He, he looks like he's had no hiccups. He had another touchdown in the red zone. Uh, he has yet to throw a red zone interception on the season or not in the season in his career. So hopefully he can keep that streak up. And yeah, that Titans offense might be a juggernaut this year. Hopefully Mariota can stay healthy for all 16 games and not kind of get dinged up like he does the past two seasons. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, RB1, Tennessee two seed or three seed. So that, that's pretty much where I stand on that one. Um, New Orleans and Los Angeles, like it was basically all backups in that game. We don't need to talk about that one for even a half a second. Chicago, Trubisky continues to outplay Mike Glennon. I do not understand why they just are not giving him a job. Is John Fox? Uh, I guess. 
Uh, Roberto Aguayo still can't kick. Uh, Joaquin Guzman's little little uh, little ploy in Chicago isn't working. Um, Arizona, there, there's really like Kimdiche again. Like there's there's really not that much going on. Tyron Matthew is back with a vengeance. Yeah, just don't make me look stupid, man. Because I'm I'm I really trust this Arizona team, and I know it's gonna hurt me. Like they're it's they're my they're my NFC Chargers. Yeah, I'm man, but like that that back end with uh, Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker. Buda Baker's been balling this preseason. That, that Pat Pete, all of it. That could be a really good defense. Uh, and they were number one in sack percentage last year. The Cardinals. Yeah. Like I don't think a lot of people realize that. And they're getting they're getting Kim Diche who. Honestly, if he ends up hitting, he's going to bring a lot more to the table than Calais Campbell did in the passing game, at least. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's more, way more of a penetrator than he is. Um, we had New England-Houston. Uh, Braxton Miller signs alive. J.J. Watt still looks like he's a superhuman. Um, Watson was not uh, good. Tom Savage might end up winning that job. I think Bill O'Brien came out today and said that, like, he's firmly the number one starter. If you look at NEA, um, they're, they're close but Tom Savage has the lead, and if a veteran has the lead and efficiency, the veteran's probably going to end up taking it. You know what I mean? Uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, how long are we going to do this? Like, I'm not – do, have know. you I, ever watched Jimmy Garoppolo and been like, yeah, he, he's the guy? Uh, No. He's a solid quarterback. Not, not one time. But, like, he's a guy, he's a guy who, like, I guess if, if you were – if you're tr- if you're treating the quarterback market for what it is now, he's a guy who should have gotten a deal like Mike Glennon got, right? But it sounds like he's gonna be like a like you're gonna have to trade a second round pick and then or a first round pick and then give him that contract, and that's not worth it. No, I, I don't. Not, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens when his contract is up in New England, and if you know, I don't know how much longer Brady is gonna play, but. It doesn't seem like this is going away anytime soon, so I'm really interested. Honestly, honestly, if you're Bill Belichick and you see the way that he's doing things where he's full-on trading draft picks for veterans, right, and he's consistently signing veterans, and he's signing guys who can play right now, he's making trades for guys like Brandon Cooks, um, he's holding players for hostage like Malcolm Butler, right? Yeah. What what makes you think that like he cares about a future first-round pick at all? Like, I think he might just be trying to, like, hey, I got two years. I'm trying to win in two years and get the hell out. Like, and if he were in that situation, why would he trade Jimmy Garoppolo? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not – that those first-round picks are going to mean crap to him once he's done. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen in that situation at all. But they're probably just going to sit on him and, until he's ready to walk. Um, is there anything else we need to touch on? Jacksonville was – a disaster again. Tampa Bay looks. They're often free. Allen Robinson. Short. Yeah, free Allen Robinson. Uh, we guy. should talk about the. We should talk about the Blake Bortles thing real quick. So Blake Bortles, they messed up the situation so bad with that fifth year option. They are essentially. So they didn't open the quarterback competition until week three of the preseason. These guys are not going to be playing week four of the preseason, right? The issue is if Blake Bortles that that fifth year option is guaranteed for injury, right? Right. So that means that Blake Bortles should either be quarterback number one or inactive on game day, which means you're going to have to hold three quarterbacks. If he's going to be inactive on game day, they're going to have to scout team safety him, like they like uh, the Washington Redskins did with Robert Griffin the third, and they could have avoided this entire issue by just not giving him a fifth year option. Because the only reason that this dance has to be done is because that 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 fifth year is guaranteed for injury. 
If they didn't pick it up, they could have had this quarterback battle go through the regular season. They wouldn't have had to make they wouldn't have to make that decision based off of one game in week three. It just doesn't make sense. And leading up to them slapping that fifth year option on him, he had done nothing to say that you should that this is a move that we should make. We should give him the fifth year option. He had a bad rookie season. Then his sophomore year, he had some nice volume stats, but when you look at the efficiency he still wasn't that good and then he was just a flat-out train wreck last year and this year this preseason he's showing that he can't play but what like how can the Jaguars be surprised that he sucks given that he's sucked in the past and like why like why did they feel the need to give him that fifth year option it, it makes no sense because he's not the guy moving forward and I think that they figured that oh. out by the time you know now that they're opening up their quarterback competition in like you said Week three of the preseason, we are two weeks away from real NFL action, and they just now opened up their quarterback competition. Uh, it, you know, the Jaguars, they went from Gus Bradley, who was, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. You know, if it doesn't matter if we win as long as we get better, to Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone, who you know, they puffed their chest all offseason about we need to upgrade a quarterback play. And then they literally made no moves. Like, they did not bring in a single person to compete with Bortles. And, you know, this is where you find yourself in. Uh don't be a fake tough guy like Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin and get, get that get, get a real quarterback in there. They'll sign Eli next offseason. It's totally fine. Uh, Tampa's running a 3-4 in practice, apparently. This was tweeted out by Pewter Report, who our good friend Trevor Sycamore works for. Um, the nose tackles McDonald, the DNs are McCoy Golston, outside linebackers are Spence, Spence and someone named Glanton. That's a fake name. The inside linebackers are David and Beckwith. Um, to be totally honest, I kind of like how – Tampa shakes out as a 3-4 more than they do as a 4-3. You do? Why, so who, who do you have playing the nose there? They have McDonald playing the nose. Oh, that's right. Oh, they he, have McDonald he, playing he, the nose. I like, Golson more at, I like Golson more at 5-tech than I do on the end. I think Noah Spence can rush as an outside linebacker. I don't know who the hell Glanton is. Uh, my issue is that like Chris Baker and, Ake- and uh, what's his name? Ayers, not, not Akeem. Uh, Robert Ayers aren't on the field in this situation, and you're paying those guys a whole lot of money. But if you talk about like just how this team, this defense is shaking up, I, I kind of like the three-four move more than a four-three move. Yeah, I, I haven't really thought about it that much, but because they got it, big ends, their yeah, ends they are got big ends, ends, and then they have they have Noah Spence. Yeah, and then they they got some speedy guys, the linebackers, and uh, Quan Alexander and Levante Davis. So that you know they could do it, and it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Hmm, I, I got to think about that one a little bit more. But they definitely. You know, they sneakily have the personnel to do it. Um, I think that's all we need to really hit on for week two of the preseason. Um, if you haven't, you, make sure you definitely keep checking out uh, settingedge.com. Oh, we got to do We got to do Prizeman update. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. We got to do it. Take uh, Prizeman, Prizeman update. Not, not, uh, not Fant who blew out his ACL in Seattle. Rest in peace to uh, the Seattle Seahawks left tackle situation again. Uh, number one, Prizeman update. Uh, Derek Barnett, three sacks. He's leading. The, he's leading the uh, preseason right now. Um, doing amazing. He has an inside move. Just, just give it to him at this point. Didi uh, Westbrook. He has six catches of over twenty yards. Uh, no one else is over three right now. If I'm reading this right, so he's number two on my list. Number three, Alvin Kamara. He has nine carries for ninety-six yards, 
and a touchdown, two two carries of over 20 yards, uh, averaging over 10 yards a carry. He did amazing for New Orleans last week. And then uh, Russell Wilson, who's 16 of 22 right now for 247 yards, two touchdowns, and six passes of over 20 yards. Uh, fill, fill in the blank for whatever your fifth is. But uh, Derek Barnett, D.D. Westbrook, Alvin Kamara, Russell Wilson, those are the top guys right now on my prizeman list. Oh, I'm going to throw in Jaleel Johnson in there. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, see, I didn't, I didn't see him play. Yeah, because I didn't, ca- I didn't catch the end of it, but I saw everyone talking him up, and I was like, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, he was, he was destroying them. Uh, the Steelers, or not the Steelers, the Seahawks uh, backup offensive line, which is, you know, S- Seahawks backup offensive line is, you know, like a JV team, but he, he was still kicking ass, and I, you know, I had him as a first round talent, so to see him dominate guys that I think he should dominate was, was kind of cool to see. Uh, so if you haven't check out SettingEdge.com, we're gonna send out our first newsletter this week. We will have uh, continue having you know, our preseason deep cut series. I'm sure Justice and Tony and Derek will find some cool number stuff to put up on the site. And yeah, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever suits you best. Thank you for listening to episode 38 of Setting the Edge. We'll be back with episode 39 uh, with hopefully our friend Eric Stoner. We can talk about him being a dad now and some gambling takes. Gambling over unders. Uh, should I get? I'm. Uh, we're not going to talk about gambling takes on this one. No. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you guys what you you degenerate should gamble for uh, this week in week three of the preseason with Eric. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you next time.